When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Emma from The Wiggles, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. Emma, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very good. Uh, So you just celebrated a birthday, a happy 30th. I know that was in September. I don't want to go into the belated, 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 but (laughs) I think it's fair enough to say that a happy birthday. Thank you so much. I mean, you can celebrate a birthday for a whole month, so we can still celebrate. We're, we're still in Canada. We're having a great time, so let's celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I tell myself every year because my birthday is in, mo- in a few weeks. So. Oh, well, happy uh, birthday to you. Thanks. So you grew up in Sydney, Australia. Uh, tell, me, yes. tell me all about the beautiful land that is Aussie land. We're pretty lucky, you know, it's it's a beautiful spot. We're down by the harbour, the water, the boats, we've got the Sydney Opera House, the Sydney Harbour Bridge, and really we get very, very lucky with our weather. Our weather is usually pretty good, you know, a tempered temperature, so we don't get any snow, really. A little bit of snow in the mountains, but not much. Now, I know when you're touring to, say, the United States and Canada, you probably have seen snow when you get the weather of one day it's really nice, the next day it's not so nice. How do you adjust to that? Oh my goodness. Last year we were on tour, we went somewhere very far west, kind of towards the Rockies. We were on our way to Vancouver and we stayed in a place and it was beautiful and sunny one day and then we went to sleep and woke up and outside the window it was completely white. (laughs) And for us, we're not used to waking up to such a serene atmosphere, but it was quite bizarre. That's when you go out and you do a uh, a Wiggles Live of just like a Wiggles Snow edition. We should have. Maybe maybe this year will be our time. Yeah, I mean, come on. That's that's Christmas money in your pocket right there. <laughs> we, you know, we're not used to celebrating Christmas in a cold climate either. And, um, you know, being around a fire and having warm food is, is really strange for us. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, then you definitely need to spend a Christmas in Canada too. I, I mean, I, I've grew up with Christmas in Canada, so I can't picture it the other way. But anytime a Christmas song comes on and like you have Garth Brooks mentioning Let It Snow, I'm sure if you mentioned <laughs> that to an Australian, they're like... What? What is this? It's very snow? hard to relate. <laughs> um, very hard. So let's start a little bit here about your background in, I guess, the music and the arts. You started doing ballet at four. Yeah. And it kind of ties into what you're doing now, which is very surreal and, I guess, interesting because it was the Wiggles performing Irish dance, jazz, mm. hip hop, contemporary music that got you kind of started in ballet. Oh yeah, you're so right. It was really surreal and the Wiggles are almost 30 years old and so I was the perfect Wiggle generation and when I used to watch TV, Wiggles were on, I'd I'd seen them at the community hall, at the shopping centre and I just remember growing up and their music being a part of my childhood and they were very heavily focused into Irish dancing and Celtic music at the time and I loved watching the Irish dancers on the show and apparently I'd said to my mum, can I go and do that? Like, I want to do that, I want to do that and I think I must have related to the 
circumstances because I, I myself have very curly hair. So I thought, well, I fit right in. And we went to start Irish dancing. And at the time, the teacher had mentioned that she felt that I was too young. So she recommended that I started ballet. And so I started ballet first. And then a year later, I started Irish dancing. And then I've been doing both the whole way through up until now. That's really cool. I know because you kind of implemented in the show. I, I've watched a few while you're touring Canada. I think it was Moncton that you did a little bit of a mm. live stream there. And when you look at the video really closely, I think one of the band members was coming out and he seen that you guys were getting ready to dance so he kind of slide away a bit but it was very interesting to see and it's very interesting that at four that's when you realize because you know what I was doing at four I was trying to figure out if I was available to play sports <laughs> you know everyone's got their own ambitions <laughs> you also won a full scholarship with uh, I'm guessing in the dancing and the arts can you kind of explain how that all came about because I know what scholarships when it comes to intelligent sides of things like some people get math mm. some people get university scholarships in terms of sports can you explain how that one came about the first one that I was really fortunate enough to receive was a scholarship into a performing arts school in Sydney and so this particular performing arts school you had to audition for and I was really lucky because my parents wouldn't have been able to afford for me to study there in the first place and I started there in year seven, so I was about 12, 13 years old. And I was there right up until the end of my schooling years, which was wonderful. And it was such a great experience to be able to do ballet in between recess and lunch and then our academic work all around that. It was a bit like a circus school back then. A lot of arts subjects are more integrated into curriculum now, but back then it was a really special thing to be able to go to that school. But during my time there, I had a terrible dance injury where I was dropped from a dance lift and I'd hurt my my back and my vertebra in my thoracic spine I ended up having to sew the costumes for the dance concert instead of dance in it and I, I remember becoming quite upset that I couldn't participate in the concert at the end of the year and so I decided to teach myself how to edit film and I made a little dance film and then from that point that film was submitted into a film festival and it won the best editing award which I was quite surprised by because I always felt that I was a creative person but not very you know mathematically aligned so I was quite taken aback but I was offered a scholarship to Sydney Film School and it was so off the path that I thought that I would ever attempt you know I, I was at this performing arts school I'd done dance my whole life I'd expected that I'd go and audition for a dance company somewhere in the world and and next minute I was at a film school and even my performing arts school thought it was really bizarre <laughs> My parents were like, just go for it because you've got it, so we'll try it out. And so I was there for about a year and a bit and then started university in Sydney while I was auditioning for other shows. Yeah, it's really interesting that you brought that up and it ties right into what I'm going to get into here because oh. I, I got noted here that you have a master's degree in media arts and communications. Yeah. I actually have a communications degree myself. And oh, I, great. I just love how your background of it comes from going from ballet to an injury to going all the way to getting a media arts degree in communications, but it kind of helped you in turn with the Wiggles as well, because I read that while they were on tour, you were responsible sometimes for editing some mm. of the things that they do. And because of your background, it really helped in that aspect. Do you kind of believe that all these things happened for a reason? Yeah, I do. And I, you know, if I hadn't have had that injury, I probably wouldn't have even attempted to try and teach myself how to edit and, and the way that everything worked out. And even after film school, I went back to finish my dance training. And then from there, I tried to combine them together, dance and film, in my uni degree a lot. 
But when I was at my first uni, uh, it, I wasn't quite encouraged. I was told to just kind of get rid of the dancing. And, you know, I, I guess nobody thinks that they could have a career in performing arts. And, and it, is, it is such a difficult industry, like every other industry. It's so hard to support yourself. And so I knew that if I just kept up my studies, that maybe that might help me or I could fall back on that. But then I ended up doing lots of different auditions for different musicals and happened to see the notice for the Wiggles audition. And it, it had said that the requirements were a ballet dancing fairy and I thought well that's good I'll do that in between my master's degree at University of Technology Sydney and so the audition you had to register for and they sent you a video and you had to learn the piece before you got there which at the time I thought was very clever because then you didn't have to spend time teaching people so I I learned the routine and and went uh, a couple of days later and there was about 40 girls there ready to audition and we did the piece one at a time. A few days later I got the call to come back and then I had the job and the week after I auditioned I filmed my first DVD with the Wiggles which was for the Dorothy the Dinosaur show she had her own show and that's how I started as a ballet dancing fairy before we kind of get into the whole Wiggles part I I, I found this online and I don't know if this is something that should be spectacular in the terms of what it's called or if it's just something that they named it completely ridiculous and it could be just something that's really (laughs) cool in 2009 you were Miss Granny Smith apples. Oh, yes. What what exactly is that to someone who doesn't know what a Granny Smith apples is? <laughs> this is quite bizarre. But I was born in an area, and I grew up in a particular area in Sydney called Ride Eastwood. And in the Ride Eastwood area, a lady by the name Anne Granny Smith was with her family on a farm, and they were growing apples. And she decided that this particular apple that she was growing was a little bit too bitter and she liked the sweetness of other apples and so she was experimenting with two different types of apples and came up with the Granny Smith apple and uh, the Granny Smith apple is a green apple, it's all green in colour and it's it's not as sweet as the others but it has a particular taste, it's really good for cooking and anyway she became the, the grandmother of the Granny Smith apple and in our area we celebrate this uh, tradition of the Granny Smith apple with a competition it's more like a community advocacy thing where they uh, nominate young women in that live in the community and on their accolades of helping the community in any way that they are so when I was about 17 I think I was I joined the competition and ended up winning and it's been one of those things that just keeps coming back in a great way because <laughs> the Granny Smith Apple is so particular to Australia that it's nice to be recognized for something Australian You kind of got into it a little bit here prior to this, so I'll touch base on it. In 2010, when you began with the Wiggles, you were Dorothy, you were Wags, you were a dancer. Like, you know, did you find at the time, were you happy just to break in or did you always have it in the back of your mind that maybe someday there will be a first female Wiggle? Oh, no, it just never occurred to me. And I, because I'd, I'd started in the Dorothy the Dinosaur show, at that stage, I just really wanted to meet the Wiggles. And I hadn't met them. And I'd been on tour with the Dorothy show. And then I'd done a few things here and there, chaperoning Dorothy and Wag. And then another another gig came up where I had to be Dorothy and Wag. And that was, you know, my first insight into doing those suits. And I was just 
loving being able to be a part of it and, and I, I was up for anything. I was up to do a show or a shopping centre show or a meet and greet or whatever and I happened to be Dorothy and at, at a meet and greet before the Wiggle show which was in Brisbane I was walking in the corridor going back to my dressing room and happened to bump into Anthony in the corridor and at that stage I was totally starstruck because I'd been with the company for about five months but I still hadn't seen a real Wiggle a real life <laughs> Wiggle yet and, and I wasn't expecting to see him and he wasn't in his blue outfit or anything and we had a little chat in the corridor and he had known that I'd joined the Dorothy show and he'd found out that I'd I'd had done some film training and so he was quite interested in that and then after that point I didn't really hear from them for about three months and it was over Christmas and New Year and I was still teaching dance at the school that I was at and going to uni and then a few months later Anthony and a few others had come to watch the Dorothy show that was being performed live in Sydney and then a few weeks after that I got called to come and be a wiggly dancer and I I remember that call thinking that that was the highlight of my life I it was you know the those wiggly dancers I'd seen on TV and I had grown up with them and I knew the costumes and I knew the songs and and that really was such a big change in my life. But yet you didn't know that it was going to get, the peak no. was going to get higher because no. in, in 2012 you replaced uh, Greg Page, I believe that's yeah. his name, and you became the first female wiggle. Now, I've discussed this with a few of my friends that uh, are my age, so about 28, they, like some of them have said, oh yeah, I grew up with the wiggle. And then when I mentioned the, your guys, like, you know, your name, Anthony and Lochte and the others as well, um, they kind of looked at me confused. Like, that's not the Wiggles I grew up with. And I'm like, that's yeah. interesting you mentioned that because you're the first female Wiggle and they marketed the Wiggles in the next generation. That was one reason they chose you. But another one was because of the whole background of the ballet and mm. the media. So take us through... What was going through your mind when you found out you were going to be the first female Wiggle? Well, I guess, you know, especially the boys on the tour, they're quite, you know, they love having a bit of a practical joke and, you know, there's a lot of humour in our show and off stage as well. And when Anthony came to, um, he, he, he actually initially came to tell me that the original lineup of the Wiggles was retiring at the end of the year. And so this was about April and we were just about to do a show. And I was, I felt upset because I'd only really just gotten started. I'd only been with them for just over a year. And I really didn't feel like I was finished, you know, doing it. I just didn't want it to end. Then he suggested that they were going to start a new lineup. So I started guessing the contenders, you know, I was like, oh, well, it's got to be Simon because Simon was on the tour and I knew that he was a great singer and, you know, he was perfect for the role. And and then I don't know why I couldn't think of Lockie, which is so embarrassing because Lockie and I are best friends. And and then I was like, well, who else are you going to get? And he's like, Lockie. And I was like, oh, this is so great. And then what about the last one? And then I said, are you going to audition people? Like, what? how are you going to find someone? And he's like, oh, no, we would like to offer it to you um, as the first female wiggle. And I just... I was like, oh, don't be, don't be silly. Like that's you, funny. You fainted. And I, no. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I probably would have if I thought it was serious at the time. But then I actually reality started to set in, and I, you know, I obviously really wanted to, but in the back of my mind, I just knew that I didn't have enough singing training. I, I'd, I'd never really had any singing lessons. 
except for a few here and there, you know, at school and in the choir and stuff. And it just wasn't my forte. And I had a little bit of a panic. But at that stage, he said, you know, it's no problem. We're going to announce the new lineup at the end of the year. So in my head, I thought, great. I've got eight months to really get to work and start practicing and, and, and seeing how this is all going. But as time went on, the original lineup wanted to announce their retirement earlier than the end of the year, just to give children time to adjust. And especially children with autism and with other different learning abilities, they they like a lot of lead up if change is going to be apparent, which was a great idea from the Wiggles behalf because it meant that we could provide a longer changeover period and for children to be introduced to us around the world so it wasn't just a, a, a flash news shock um, in one go. So even though it was definitely um, wonderful for the group, <laughs> I was definitely worried myself. And it was about, we, we thought we had about three weeks until we were about to be announced, but it was leaked a little bit early. So we were a little bit unprepared, but it meant that we were straight into working on our characters to bring to the show. And we were on the road with the originals, Greg, Murray, Jeff and Anthony, and we were able to learn from them directly and whilst doing the show. So Simon and Lockie and I were already on tour doing different roles in amongst the show, you know, playing instruments and, and dancing along and singing along. So it was a great way for us to learn. And in retrospect, if the roles were auditioned, it would have been a lot harder for them, I think. We, we were really lucky to be able to have that whole year to learn. Absolutely. I mean, I know that you mentioned, again, which I thought was an excellent idea that they did, that I never even thought about it until you mentioned it, about, you know, giving people the time to get used to it, especially mm. children with autism and whatnot. I think the biggest one that I can think of that kind of upset me when it was replaced was when I watched <laughs> Blue's Clues and oh, it went from... Yeah, yeah, and it went from Steve to Joe and I was like, where's Steve? Why, why are we switching with Steve to Joe? Like, just randomly yeah. one episode, it's just Steve goes and Joe's in and I was like, like, really, you could have built a story around it, but um, that's what came to mind. So, if I, I mean, if they had to give me a little bit of heads up when I was smaller that was happening, be great. Um, yeah, and I know parents were, they were quite upset initially, but children are really open to change, so they seem to be really accepting. Um, but I know what you mean, and, and it's, it's only because, I think as adults, you get so worried because you love the original show so much. And even for me, I remember watching the originals, and I, I know what that love is and I totally understand where people are coming from and lots of people would say you know the Wiggles can't be girls like how how crazy like why would they have a girl Wiggle but really and we've heard Anthony say many times that if he had his chance and if he knew that the Wiggles was even going to have that kind of impact on the world they would have structured it so that there was a female in the group at the start it just happened to be three mates at uni and a member from their band and they got together and made this children's album that was amazing so it really was so unplanned you mentioned about the backlash and how parents were a little mm. bit upset like you being the first female wiggle i know you have your friends there with lochte and others on tour but how did that affect you kind of mentally like because i know right now you're one of the more i guess popular wiggles as it is but at the time abc did a little bit of a special out too that you guys had to take oh, some yeah. time to adjust to each other in terms of performing as well but tell me a little bit about like the backlash how did it affect you 
I was prepared for it a little bit, but I think, you know, Lockie and Simon, they were just that little bit older, so they didn't really remember watching The Wiggles as children. But because I knew The Wiggles as something from my childhood, I could empathise with the people that were getting upset. So I knew that they were upset just because they, you know, they didn't want their favourite groups to die you know they they just want that music to continue on forever and it was really a big two years of grassroots touring in Australia to visit every town and place and and to share our new group with everybody and and to basically show the audience that we were still continuing the music on you know the, the legend of the Wiggles is still happening and it's still alive and we're happy for everyone to come along on the ride and I think once people were able to come and see the show for themselves they were relieved they were like oh it's okay we're still singing Rockabye Bear. We're yeah. still singing Big Red Car. Oh, but who are these new people? And wow, they've got different personalities. And oh, Simon's an opera singer. And oh, Lockie plays an amazing piano. And oh, Emma's a dancer. So I think in that respect, once their fear was dissolved, they were able to be open to a, to trying to be introduced to us. But that did take a long time. You know, two, three years, we were trying to prove ourselves to everybody. What are some of your favorite parts or moments of being a Wiggle? And just take us through life as a yellow wiggle oh i mean it's one of those roles that it's not even really a job it's your life and the one of the great things is that instead of just being in a musical for example it's not just one element so the beauty about being a wiggle is that you get to do live shows you record music in a studio record tv series for dvds and on YouTube and, and then you get to meet children and families from across the world whether that's at the show at a meet and greet or even in children's hospitals so it's a really varied situation and I think a lot of jobs only have ever have one aspect of that and so the beauty about the role is that you doing so many different things across every single day with the whole yellow bow and you know kids dressing up as the Wiggles I, I, I've seen guys and girls dressed up as the Wiggles and how did that come to be about? Because I know your big thing is bows. Are you really, really obsessed with bows? Yeah, and, and Anthony asked me what I wanted to wear as the Wiggle. And in the past, the, the Wiggles had a branch off Wiggles. So they had the Spanish Wiggles and the Taiwanese Wiggles. And in um, both, they did have female Wiggles in those groups. And they wore pants and a shirt just like the boys. But this time, we wanted to make something new. And because I had really only ever worn dresses or skirts, I said to Anthony, look, to be honest, I feel more comfortable wearing a skirt, possibly something that is very dancey, like something that I can dance in and move in and can do all different styles and I don't have to change into different costumes. And so that's kind of how that that outfit was born, was from just things that I would wear myself, including the bows. And I always had a headscarf in my hair or a bow or a ribbon or a hair clip. And, and that really just came from my own personal way of life. It wasn't um, meant to be a particularly sexist comment on the way I was being, the way I was dressed. Just was something that I would wear anyway. And if people that do know me know that I don't even own a pair of jeans. So <laughs> I'm definitely not going to wear pants if I don't want to. I'm just going to make a little bit of a joke here as well as yeah. in terms of, you know, people notice you as the yellow wiggle. Have you ever mm. tried going out like with a blue bow, blue shirt on just and see <laughs> if people would recognize me like I'm pretty sure that's Emma but then some a kid would be like no no she's yellow this person is blue 
that is really interesting. And for children, they're used to seeing you in a colour. So they won't recognise you generally unless you're dressed in the colour. But for parents and grandparents who are watching you all the time, they yeah. recognise you whatever <laughs> colour you're in. And I guess because they're watching you the most, yeah. uh, they're really attuned to your voice and your face. Yeah, absolutely. I would just thought that would be funny if, like, you know, if you were just out and, you it know, every, yeah, like every celebrity tries to cover themselves up, but it would just be hilarious if it's like, I'm pretty sure that's Emma from the Wiggles. And, like, you know, just to distract the kids, you just dressed up in blue. You're like, no one's coming near me today. It's like, well, because they would be very confused. Yeah, because you're dressed in blue, Emma. That's why. Um, <laughs> outside the Wiggles, like, what are some of your interests and hobbies besides, say, ballet and film? I mean, one thing that is I'm particularly enthusiastic about is sign language. And I grew up with some deaf friends, and I was always interested in it. For me, it's like a dance with your hands. And I've tried to include a lot of that in the show, um, whether it's live or filmed or whatever. And, and now my studies at uni have kind of morphed into that, into a combination of those elements. I'm doing my PhD at Macquarie Uni in creative integration of sign language, dance and film. And so that's kind of where um, my hobbies lie. Oh, good for you. That's really interesting to find out. I, I just want to bring in that a little bit, too, with the sign language is, mm. you know, I do see that you implement it in the show, which I think is awesome. What kind of made you interested in sign language? Is it that you have a relative or? Yeah, I grew up with two deaf friends and the in the family, the girl she is hearing, she was my best friend at school and it was her two brothers that were deaf. And we would always go over to, I'd go over to her house after school and we would play and then I would would just point to objects around the house and then they would tell me what they were okay. and we'd play hide and seek and you know all sorts of things and, and as we grew up they they were just always had been great friends and friends of our family and that's how i was exposed to sign language in the first place yeah i was just wondering how it all tied in because i thought mm. it was a cool concept and like when you're watching the wiggles every now and again or if you're even watching your show emma i see kind of being implemented like we have Treehouse here in Canada, which yes. kind of shows Wiggles and Emma. And, you know, when I look at the commercials and it's my tiara, and then you see a little bit of the sign language involved, I'm like, oh, that's mm. really cool. Yeah. And, and, and it's kind of interesting to mention this as well, because we mentioned about the backlash that kind of came mm. with the first female Wiggle. And now you have the show Emma that kind of branches off the Wiggles. How did all that come to be? And were you really excited to get your own? I, I believe it's like a 15 minute segment or so. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a whole like uh, flip on its head in a way, I think, you know, and, and definitely that fear. And then once the barriers were broken down, then everyone was like, oh, this is a girl called Emma. And oh, what is she interested in? And the dancing element became so popular that definitely our target audience seemed to have grown a little bit wider than just to that preschool age. And with the introduction of more dancing, you know, some of the, the older siblings, you know, six, seven, eight, were wanting to continue watching because they really like the dancing element. And just through the popularity of the Emma character, that's how the Emma show was brought about. Anthony was really quick to get started on creating that show and it was filmed really quickly and we really just wanted to get it out to everybody and it's a really intimate show, the first Emma series. And now Treehouse and Australia are broadcasting the second Emma series, which is a whole different ball game <laughs> with uh, lots, lots more people and dancers and dancing from all around the world, um, whether it's Scotland or Ireland or ballet or Africa or, you know, everywhere. It's a more inclusive show and um, it's a more active show. Do you ever think, because I know the show is like gaining popularity, do you ever think you're going to branch off from, from the Wiggles and you'll be doing 
doing your own tours with just say Emma? Oh no, <laughs> I mean Emma. Uh, Emma does do her own shows, um, but the irony is, is that Anthony and Lockie are in the band. <laughs> they still come along for the ride, and they. I think they like the change where they don't have to wear their normal coloured shirt, but they get to wear bow ties okay. or bo- bows on a beret. And so, even though it may just be Emma that's featured in the show, or Emma and Lockie, um, it's still very much part of the Wiggles family. I know you're going through Canada on the tour right now. I know you're in. Newfoundland. And as a Newfoundland, I know this is a little bit biased on my part, but uh, when you were in Newfoundland, what did you feel about like the culture and the people that came out to see you? Oh, it's one of the most amazing places for us to visit uh, because it is so far from us culturally. But you see, our connection really is through Anthony. He uh, grew up in the army playing the bagpipes and so he he has such an affliction to Scottish music that when um, we get over to New Brunswick Nova Scotia uh, Newfoundland you know it's like a whole new light comes out inside of him and our Scottish and, and Irish elements are on show and it's amazing the reaction that we get when we do Highland dancing or Irish dancing in those parts of the world compared to other parts because they they grew up with it too. We've had some really beautiful experiences from some dance schools in the local area from you know Highland or Irish and they've joined us on stage and the other day we were in Glace Bay in New Brunswick and two little girls came up from the audience and um, they told us that they knew the Highland and Flint from Scotland. Anyway, we started the music and they were amazing. <laughs> Highland dancing is not as popular in our cultural roots in Australia, even though it, it is it is performed. But, you know, over here, it's, it's so celebrated and it's so much a part of people's history that it's just wonderful to be in places where they know what's going on. So I, I believe by the time this goes up, this episode, you'll be after touring through Ottawa because I know that that's your uh-huh. next stop. And then you're yeah. going to like Belleville, Kingston, and yeah. even out west. Are you are you ready this time? Are you ready for the West in case this time? Oh, um, we're ready. <laughs> we are so ready. We, I think, you know, Canada is one of our favorite places to tour. It's the most like Australia in terms of the relaxed nature of people, and our humor is more suited than other countries. We love Canadians, and we love the countryside and the people and um, you know I think we we do actually feel the most relaxed on this tour that, that's kind of like Canadians identity is we don't yes. really have an identity it's just that we're really relaxed <laughs> that's the uh, same with Australians another question I guess I had here too is we kind of touched on the bows a bit as well but for certain occasions like when you're in Canada or the States do mm. you ever kind of decorate in that attire like would you ever have a Canadian bow on or an American sometimes, bow sometimes yeah and, and lots of children bring bows to the show and so um, if we are in Canada sometimes I will receive a bow that has a big maple leaf on it or the colours of Canadian flag Um, but I I have Canadian bows American bows Irish bows Scottish bows Chinese bows Japanese bows lace bows bows with dots sparkles flowers I have a whole bow drawer so there really is no end but I I usually wear um, the special occasion bows um, for filming so if children do bring those kinds of bows or tartan bows I take them back to Australia and then I'll either put them on the set or I'll wear them in my hair for a particular song absolutely like I know with your Facebook page and going through mm. just Instagram I've seen people kind of come up to you with signs 
lines of We Love yeah. Emma or like the bow. Uh, I believe there was one that I was really, I thought was really cute was there was a, a little kid that touched the bow and I think the, the parent was kind of like, whoa, easy. <laughs> and <laughs> the comment was more or less like, you just made the comment of, it's okay, it's just a bow. But yeah. you don't know if you're going to try to haul out your hair or something. But She I, definitely <laughs> gave it a good, a good um, tug. grab. Um, and I was fine with that. I knew that that was happening. Um, but the parents were so worried that, you know, the bow was so precious. And I said, no, honestly, don't worry. It's just yeah. a piece of material. I've, yeah, I've got, I've, got, I've got a hundred of them in my life. Yeah, <laughs> those heaps. So don't, don't, don't worry. Where is your most favorite place outside of Australia, um, like a particular city that um, you really like, like it gets you excited to come to? I think, you know, we've had such a love for Montreal here in Canada. Uh, such a nice um, place to visit, especially with, um, you know, the French-speaking side. And we tried to include that a little bit into the show, um, even though our French is not up to standard. But definitely for us as Australians, we don't have any other cultural, really, like, different cultural languages near us. You know, we have to fly such a fair way to get to a different country. So it's nice to feel that you could be in two different places within a drive of an hour of each other. I guess it's been really nice to be in Quebec. Um, in the province um, that's so so different to the others here but you know we really love touring the UK and we can't wait to get back to Ireland and the last one here I just scrolled through because I thought this one was really interesting in in the terms of it it kind of expands a little bit outside the Wiggles but um, they're just asking you like in terms of because you grew up I guess as a 90s kid I know you were born in like the late well, late 89. 80s. 89. Yeah. So 80. I just snuck in there. You just, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, like, who are some of the acts that you like growing up, some of the TV shows that you watched? Ooh. It is interesting for me to say this, but because I was such so heavily into dance I didn't watch that much <laughs> but I you know I love listening to the Spice Girls and Aqua and Backstreet Boys and Bewitched and I just felt that that was definitely my kind of entertainment but we had a lot of TV shows in Australia that I used to love when I was little I loved Spot and Teletubbies and Sesame Street um, you know, I guess Sesame Street is probably one of the most broadcast around the world, but there are a lot of Australian shows that probably people <laughs> might not know, like Johnson and Friends, which I thought was just the best thing ever. Yeah, but um, yeah, when I was at school, I was really, really busy with dance, really busy. Of course, I like how you mentioned about Sesame Street because I know you're tying yeah. you're tying in something with Sesame Street in the future yeah. here as well. It's coming really soon. It's, we were able to do a collaboration, and um, you know. I was starstruck even just meeting Elmo so uh, what can I say that's definitely something to tick off the bucket list when you mentioned some of those bands I kind of got giddy because when you mentioned about Bewitched um, Aqua like I mean when I mention that to people today they look at me as if like I have 10 heads but I'm like I'm like you do realize that Bewitched was really famous for uh, Jesse Hold On Say La Vie but Um, that is interesting because uh, we had um uh, a Canadian on our tour the last week. We had Nick from Splash and Boots. Okay. And um, he'd been touring with us, which was really nice to have somebody from, you know, from here in Canada and performing in Canada. And I was talking to him about Bewitched, but he doesn't remember it. Um, and so I thought that maybe I'd it throw didn't him really out. make it over here. <laughs> maybe Newfoundland, maybe because you're a bit more Celtic, maybe that's why yeah. you know. But um, Bewitched came to visit Australia two years ago and we went to see them live in concert and I was just. 
I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. I think if I was 10, I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. I think only now, being 30, I just thought that was the best thing. Well, I, I would go and see the Backstreet Boys any time of the week, yeah. no matter. But, like, you know, it, off the top of your head, if you don't mind, do you do you remember a Bewitched song? Do you remember Sailor V? Oh, Sailor V. I mean, any time that that came on at the school disco and I was the token Irish dancing girl, I, you know, everyone had to step aside so I could, you know, do a, a lead round reel while, while Sailor V was on. That was the most exciting thing that Irish dancing was in a pop culture music when I was at school. I was like, finally, I'm actually not as nerdy as I thought I was. <laughs> um, so if you don't mind, do you, can you can you belt out the uh, say you will, say you won't? Say you, do say you will, say you won't. Say you do what I do. Say it true. Say to me. Come on. Say love me. <laughs> it was great talking to you, Emma. Hopefully, it didn't too. take too much of your time. And uh, hopefully, again, we'll we'll get to chat soon. That would be great. That right. would be lovely. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Emma Watkins for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, I also enjoyed Bewitch's C'est la vie and Jesse's Hold On. Just thought I'd toss that out there, in case people were wondering. Anyways, thanks for listening, and good night. the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favourite podcast app. It is your favourite girl. That's right, it's the Ali Mars. The one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.